Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to the amazing Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Thank you for joining us today. I'm here today with Linda Condrillo and we met a few weeks ago and we were just saying we got on like a house on fire. So Linda, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is such a treat to be virtually in, in Australia. It's so fun. And I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> I know, right? I know. It's, it's so good. And what was really interesting when I met you, you're also heavily involved. You wrote a book on menopause, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I and did. It, yes. And it took you 11 years. <laughs> yes. Yes. 11 years. Yes. Yes. But I did it. When you start out to write a book, you have it all in your head and you have no idea how, how long it's going to actually take. I never thought it would take 11 years. <laughs> so what made you start writing it? Were you going through menopause that entire time? Or Yes, um, yes. Is it, what's, tell me what the book's about. All right. Well, the, the book is called Period the End. Wit, Wisdom and Practical Guidance for Women in Menopause and Beyond. And I hope this is coming up, not backwards. That's the right But I got the idea to write a book that was a guide that would be entertaining, but educational and had some humor because you have to laugh. And the original title of the book was What to Expect When You Can No Longer Expect to Be Expecting. Because we have this book, What to Expect When You're Expecting and you know, when you're pregnant, all these things happen to you. You gain weight around the middle. You can't sleep. Your hormones are off the charts. Sex becomes painful or non-existent or uncomfortable. And I started to think all these things were also true in, in menopause. And there was really this next chapter of womanhood that nobody really talks about. When you're pregnant, everybody's talking about pregnancy, you know, did you get morning sickness? How much weight did you gain? Just, just all kinds of issues that you have, but not everybody's a mom, but all women go through menopause. So I thought, well, for one thing, the title is too long and not everybody may be able to relate to it. So I, I shortened it simply to period, the end. And I had a, a, a book coach who said, you really have to put the word menopause in there. So when people are searching for your book, these different keywords come up because the book isn't about menstruation. It's about the opposite. It's about what happens after it's all over. So that's how I got the idea. And I'm a journalist. I do a lot of research. I was writing mainly just fun stuff, you know, arts and entertainment, school stuff, my local newspaper, and I branched out into public relations. So I got a lot of resources that connected me with experts, one of which is something called Harrow. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but, but anybody who was looking to write a book or is looking for guests such as yourself that has involved any kind of media whether it's radio, newspaper, podcast, television, book, and you need a source, you need an expert. You know, I want to interview somebody on fill in the blank. There is a, a feed for journalists called 
help a reporter. So it's, it's, it used to be help a reporter out. So they're known as harrows. And through queries, logging on and asking gynecologists to, to weigh in on certain issues in the book, menopausal women, because I wanted it to be real. I wanted to include people who, who went into premature menopause because of you know, hysterectomies. I wanted it to include people who experienced no symptoms whatsoever. Now, there aren't many of those, <laughs> but there are some. And people who were expert in sex therapy, in nutrition, acupuncture, aromatherapy, and even professional organizing. And, and then also people who had come out the other side, postmenopausal. And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And the average age that someone goes into menopause is 51 and a half. I think I was about 49 when I started the outline of the book. I'm 63 now, but, but I still have hot flashes. So some of this stuff doesn't go away. So, it, you know, I, I took a very long time and uh, such a long time that when the book was actually close to being published, I had to go back to the email saying, you know, are these people still alive? Maybe, you know, <laughs> but get their permission. In some cases, I had to pay, actually pay money for some of the uh, cartoons that are in there. You just can't copy stuff from Walt Disney. Oh, this applies. Put it in a book. You can't do that. So there was a, there was a lot to learn and a lot of research and a lot of follow-up. And I was working and I had kids. But, you know, eventually I just got, I just had it in my head like, all right, by my birthday, I'm this is going to be done. And I just buckled down and finally gave birth to it. <laughs> yeah, it was a long labor, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Why do you think it took you so long? Because you don't strike me as the kind of person who would faff around unnecessarily. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I usually do everything fast. That is so true. I eat very fast. I walk fast. I talk fast. That's so funny. But I read very slowly very slowly. I write very slowly. I don't, I could never write on deadline. I mean, when I, when I did write for a newspaper, I had a whole week to do the story and I, I, I never really um, had like a template. Sometimes, you know, you read these stories and it just could be, oh, you're just reading about a different subject, but it's in the same format. I always found a story behind a story. I was like dug deeper and, and even a lot of the contributors to my book I'm actually friends with today because I developed this personal relationship with each one of my, not each one of them, but, but many of the contributors wanted it to be right, you know, because I did self publish. My book is, is only, I think 134 pages. I didn't want it to be a, a manual, you know, a, a medical book where it's so overwhelming. I wanted somebody to take the book to the bathroom and open it up. And no matter where they opened the book, there was something they could see that it would be relevant if it was a joke, a recipe, because nutrition is, is, is really important in menopause. So what I found was that to be traditionally published, your book has to be a certain word count. And I think my book is, oh gosh, I used to know this. 
I think it's 20,000 words. And really for a book to be traditionally published, they want it to be at least 30,000. And I'm like, oh, I'm not writing another 10,000 words. I mean, at this point, after 11 years now, to only to be, well, it's not quite right. So I decided I was going to cut it off at 10,000. So you didn't want to do another 10,000 words? No, it would have taken me forever. I'd still be writing it. <laughs> but I was working. I worked for a builder. I worked in Manhattan for a, a real estate investment firm. I worked as a realtor. I was, you know, I had my kids. I volunteered a lot. So it wasn't like a full-time job that I was just, okay, I'm writing a book. But I was actively writing it in my head. <laughs> and I would tell people that I was working on the book. And I remember getting a call from my gynecologist who was in my book. And I'm at work. And you know, when a doctor calls you, it's it's like what you, the doctor's on the phone. And he he said, Oh, I meant to ask you in our last appointment, how's the book? And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm not going to go to another appointment until that book is in my hand because I felt like such a, an obligation to really get it done at that point. And that really lit the fire in me. And I, I, I had you know, edited and proofread and sent it off to be formatted and, and all that stuff. So, so it, it takes a lot longer than you think. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I was going to say that. There's so many stages to it. I almost got involved. Well, I did get involved with a book and I thought it was going to be properly published, but it wasn't. It was literally just send me your manuscript and we'll put them all together and then we'll publish it. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how it goes. Uh, it's about five lots of editing needs doing before it goes to publish. Right. Um, yeah, I so I pulled out in the end because I was no. Nah. Well, you don't want to cringe when you see like no. something that hasn't. It, it's so obvious sometimes to me that I, I almost I, I just feel bad for people who are in such a rush. <laughs> not, not that you should take eleven years, but but don't be in such a hurry. Just make sure it's done right. And a lot of people too are like, oh, what if somebody steals my idea? <laughs> Well, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, just uh, so I I just want plus I am a writer and I wanted it to be as close to perfect as it could have been. And so far, one person has told me they found one missing quotes. So if there's a bad review, it's it's not because the book has a million typos in it or the grammar is off or whatever so now I would be mortified <laughs> I mean, of all the people that you spoke to for the book what was the most surprising thing that you found out the importance of self-care and and nutrition and how the people who had the best experiences in menopause attributed that really better experience with nutrition and self-care. As a mom and your kids come first, your family comes first, everything before you. And when you really, really need to be paying attention to yourself, 
you feel like you don't have time and that is going to catch up with you. So the people that really focused on their health and wellness, I think really stood out. And I try to remember that every day because it's not too late. (laughs) It's never too late to pay attention to yourself. And even if you're beyond menopause, and it's especially true beyond menopause, because there's an overlap of aging and menopause of symptoms, you know, your saggy skin, you know, or, or what you're putting into your body, your weight gain and all that, and, and just your health and wellness. It's never too late to really be the best version of yourself. And how do I put that importance on my own self much, much earlier? I mean, perimenopause before actually going into full-blown menopause. I, I think that personally, I would have been a better better off. You have this understanding of going crazy, of really the rage and letting other people around you know that this is something's happening to me. It's not PMS anymore. It's because of menopause. So I think one of your guests had made that point about sitting down with their husband and saying, look, it, I'm going to be a raving maniac. So you either like, get away from me or understand it or because it becomes uncontrollable. And I think the better you pay attention to yourself and you feed, feed yourself well and exercise, the less likely you, <laughs> you may be to become a, a raving maniac. <laughs> I also think it's about knowing what to expect because it's that not knowing that was the undoing for me because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was oh, younger yeah. than you when I started perimenopause. How old would I? I'd had a few things. I'd had a, a few big operations and there was stuff going on. So I was probably about 48, I reckon, when I started perimenopause. But it's it's almost it's like it's a borderline tattoo tattoo taboo subject because mm-hmm. even when I go when I went to the doctor and she knew my medical history she knew I'd been in for these operations and they were gynecological operations it wasn't hysterectomy I actually had pelvic mesh put in for internal prolapses and then the pelvic mesh caused all sorts of problems as soon as it was put in and then I had two operations to try and get it out and ended up waiting another 10 years. And I had a, a final operation about 12 months ago to try and remove it because it caused me all kinds of problems. It was disgraceful. But again, that kind of thing, unless you've been involved in that, it's not widely known. It's it's as though, apart from puberty, which people are starting to openly discuss, and then being pregnant, right. which again is openly discussed, but the rest of it is hidden under the carpet and spoken about. Yes, doors. it is terrible. And yeah. even when you go to the doctor and I said, this is what's going on for me. I've just got all this weird stuff going on. My periods are so heavy. I've got to use maternity pads. And, you know, what the heck's going on? Oh, here's some sleeping tablets. Here's some antidepressants. You'll be okay. In right. That's not a pro- there was no further explanation other than you're probably going through menopause, you'll be all right eventually. That doesn't work. We've got to be sharing all this information. It's just 
your teenage years at the other end on speed, right. basically. Right. <laughs> so. right. I, I was very fortunate to have an OBGYN who was also a, a menopause specialist. So, I, but even still, you're only there for what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or whatever, and try this or I'll give you this or, but, but I, I feel very fortunate. I wasn't dismissed by my doctor the way you hear so many women who actually go to women doctors well, my and they doctor. say, oh, you know, yeah. uh, and that just floors me, but it's true. Nobody really talks about it. You know, there's certain things with your lady parts that, you know, unless you had a few glasses of wine, you're not ever having that conversation. But then when you find out that, yeah, you too, and you think there's something wrong. It's... Stuff we put up with as well. I know somebody who over the years, she'd always struggled with her periods. And over the years, they got so heavy that she was actually bleeding for three weeks out of every four. I'm wearing maternity pads for that entire time. And it, in the end, when she told me, when I found out, it's like, what's wrong with you? You seem really tired. You're very pale. And she told me, you need to go to your doctor. She just I... put up with it and put up with it. So it's almost like as women, we just go, oh, look, it'll be fine. I, can't, I haven't got the time. I can't be bothered. It'll sort itself <laughs> out. I've got other things to do. We don't necessarily, one, find out what's normal and what's not, or even say, is this acceptable or not? Right. Right. One to see the doctor and one to know that, oh, this happened to me too. When I was just about losing my period, I felt like it was all coming out at once. Whatever I had left in me just came out. Just it just was all came out. And my doctor did say, he said, your period should really be getting lighter and, and further apart. But that wasn't the case with me. And you hear some people exactly they're bleeding and bleeding. And, and well, you maybe you should call your doctor because it could be you need a DNC or something if it doesn't stop. But but you do hear that. And and, and no two menopauses are the same. And your mother's menopause may not be the same as yours. Your mother may not even remember what she went through. It may be very different than what you're going through. I have one contributor who told me that when she got her uh, period, she never had a cramp, nothing. She had a daughter and she suffered, suffered, suffered. She didn't know how to help her. And then when she went into menopause, she said, it just one day it was gone, it was over. And then the daughter's now going through menopause and she's, you know, mom, what's wrong with me? And she, she can't give her any advice. You know, you almost feel helpless because you don't have the same experience. Some people don't have morning sickness. Some people have morning sickness up until the second trimester. Some people don't gain weight. Some people have, you know, they gain weight overnight. And with menopause, people just overnight seem to gain weight in their stomach. You know, it's, it's just, it looks like they're pregnant and people work out and like, what is wrong with me? I have this giant muffin top and you see so many bellies on, on some ladies and it's, it's not because they're overeating. It's just around the middle and it's frustrating and just all the other symptoms that you can commiserate, commiserate with. Like, how do you sleep? These Facebook groups for menopausal ladies. They're like, they're online. Is anybody up? <laughs> you know, everybody's up. Nobody sleeps. No. You know, 
They're bragging about getting five hours of sleep. (laughs) I know. And that's something that you um, really struggle to find an expert who can, because the number of nutrition medical people I've spoken to and said the three pillars of good health are eating well, exercise and sleep. And I'm right, menopause. And they go, what's wrong with menopause? Well, you don't sleep. You probably right. have 10 years where you don't get a decent night's sleep. That's so true. What do you do? And nobody can answer me. It's really interesting uh-huh. how that period, and when you think about it, it's 10, 20% of our lives. It's a big portion of our lives where we're not sleeping. Yes. That, and that's not counting if we've had children because you can, you can treble that if you've had any children. But nobody right. knows how to overcome that or combat it why do our hormones make us not sleep we don't get deep sleep we might sleep for four hours we at the moment I'm my body's decided it's waking up at half past three in the morning yeah <laughs> yep. and you can't get back to sleep <laughs> yeah no, no, no. so I've been up at quarter past four for the last week because there's no point in lying there right Right. And then you get more and more, I get more and more tired and I'm in the gym and I'm on the cross trainer going, okay, I just can't do this. I'm just too tired. So it impacts yeah. everything else, but nobody seems to be able to tell me, okay, this is what you can do. I followed all the yeah. eating stuff. I followed all the sleep habits. It is purely hormonal. Why? Why mm-hmm. does that happen? How can we counteract it or work our way around it? I don't know. I haven't figured that out. Do you know? Have you got any ideas? Well, <laughs> I have a prescription for Ambien. And right. it, it, I, it's just funny because in my book, I have some pseudonames. But there's this one woman in the book. Her name is Lauren, Lauren B. And she had a job in New York City. And she had to, this is actually me, she had to go to work. I had to be on a train. I had to be in the city. Excuse me, on a bus. I had to be up. And I was waking up three, like you said, three o'clock in the morning, can't go back to sleep and a sleep deprived. I have to, I have to be up. I have to be up showered and on my way, you know, into the city. I, I, I had to get a prescription because I literally, I needed to sleep. I was working. I had a good job. It was important that I had my sleep quality. My daughter read the book and she said, mom, are you Lauren B? <laughs> but I mean, there are no occasions where, yeah, I do need to take something because I do need to sleep because if I'm so sleep deprived. So I think don't be afraid to ask your doctor for a sleep aid for occasional use. And besides that, I use lavender oil, I kind of relaxation, meditation, taking a hot bath, but that's not going to stop me from having my hot flash and waking up in the middle of the night and having to go and then pee and then, then being thirsty and then tossing and turning. And it's just a cycle. (laughs) (laughs) To all of that, it's like really thirsty, need to pee, really thirsty. Like seriously. I had a, uh, a, a little water pitcher next to on my dresser. And because I just felt I had to put the water back into me because it was just all 
just coming out of me. And then my skin, I felt like I would, this is what happens. Like if your fruit gets freeze dried, like one of those, those dryers that you put the fruit in to get shriveling. I'm thinking that's what happened. That's what's happening to me because it's all coming out. And my skin is just getting like shriveled. <laughs> yeah. It's that is the biggest complaint and symptom that we share and it's true. I mean, other than, and not everybody should be taking Ambien, obviously, and certainly not every night, but it's, it's, it's coping with it. It really is because it's like coffee. That's why I think you see so many memes for the coffee mug and the mom's coffee. And so we live on coffee and, and then you have so much ca- caffeine that probably doesn't help. <laughs> I, I actually remember I, I would get so tired if we stopped at the traffic lights, I would fall asleep and I'd say to the kids, you need to make me up when the lights come back on. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Well, you know what happens? And this is certainly the case of me and a lot of people I know after dinner, we sit on the couch, watch a, you know, a show and it's hypnotic. So we fall asleep in front of the TV, sound asleep. And I have my Fitbit and I can tell you, I go into this deep sleep in front of the TV and, you know, my husband wakes me up, you know, come on, come up to bed. And I can't, I, 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 I toss and turn. I, I can't sleep at all. So some people get back up, they go to a different room to read or to go on Facebook and you see everybody else who's up. I have two friends that I could easily text at four o'clock in the morning and know that they're up because my friend, oh, it's six o'clock. She's already changed the litter box, done two loads of laundry, washed the kitchen floor. It's, it's not even 6 a.m. And she's, you know, and then of course, 3.30, she's kaput. And it's, but then if you sleep at three, if I sleep during the day, because my husband says, just go and have a half hour nap, that's me done for the night. I won't yeah. get up. My sleep will be way worse at night. So it's it's a vicious cycle. You can't, I can't, right. I can't do the daytime naps to make up for what's happening at night. My body doesn't work like that at all. And my mum, she started, see, I'd left home, so I wasn't really fully aware of what was going on at home. But apparently... She just used to pass out. She'd just be doing the cooking in the kitchen. And then next minute, my dad heard bang. (laughs) Unconscious on the kitchen floor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then she just came around. But she'd obviously given her head a bit of a bang. And that happened (laughs) five or six times. But it it was where I was going to go with that, that I've remembered now. It's... (sighs) The perception of menopause is really interesting. I was talking to a youngish guy the other night. He's in his late 20s and his auntie brought him up. And he said he remembers being a teenager and going, oh, my God, what's wrong with auntie? He said to his uncle, what's wrong with auntie? And and his uncle said, oh, she just lost it, mate. Just leave her alone. (laughs) She's she's gone mental. She's a bit insane right now. And then people look on it and it obviously comes from a lack of understanding and his uncle was just dealing with it. You know, he wasn't going to argue with a lever or do anything. That's right. Oh, he's smart. She's just insane. Well, they're not I teaching know. it in school, in, in, in no. class. Yeah. I think in, in England now it's on the curriculum. 
it but it would be crazy. so helpful because they're they're teaching about the facts of life in in school, but they totally missed the part. And at that point, these students' mothers are in full blown menopause in many cases. So they might. Oh, my mother's crazy. How many kids did my mom's not? So she's crazy. And no, it their moms are in menopause. And I think if they understood that. It, it would, everybody would be better off because they would have more understanding. They have more compassion and it would be, it's a little difficult for like a mom to say that maybe if they have a son, especially, you know, you don't want to be talking about that stuff to your, to your teenage son. It's like TMI, especially for a teenage boy. But you know, my, my daughter is 28 and she, she read the book and she was really glad she did because she said to me, well, I didn't know that was going to happen to my bones because I have a chapter on bone loss. And this is something that you got to pay attention to when you're in your youth in terms of keeping your bones strong and doing weight training. Because once you become osteopenic and then go into osteoporosis, there's no turning back from that. So it's all about prevention and they don't teach that in health class. You know, they, talk, they talk about nutrition, the food pyramid and exercise, but they don't really talk about bone health and especially bone health for women. And, and, and you know how you know, important that is for older women um, with osteoporosis and have, you know, your mom fell, she broke a hip. I mean, how many times have you heard that? What I actually have heard though is you, you don't fall and break your hip. Your hip breaks and then you fall. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. It kind of makes sense because how many people are falling? It's like, like, hold on to something. But that's, I think what happens. Like my one friend says, I'm I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on the internet. uh, (laughs) But I, I do have some content in the book from the National osteoporosis foundation about bone health and what your numbers mean, because we go for bone scans and okay, well, we have these numbers. What do they, what do they mean? When do I need to take a calcium? When do I need to take a supplement? In some cases we have infusions where twice a year you go to a facility and you have like an intravenous. So if you can't tolerate like a bone medicine, like a Boniva or I think a Vista is the one that I, I was prescribed. You actually can, can get this infusion, which is a heck of a lot easier than having to take a pill every day. So, I mean, prevention is, is really important. And what can we do about sleep? I mean, that's a whole other podcast, I think. The other thing I wanted to touch on was what because the thing that's really bothered me the more I've looked into the whole menopause thing is apart from the fact that we don't know anything about it nothing is taught in school nothing is talked about as we're growing up or anything my daughters were like yours they didn't know about menopause until I started going oh this is what I found out today they didn't really know anything and the other interesting thing was we live in Australia and you hear all this stuff about the sex education in school and the kids are taught in, in PDHPE and it's all about sex. And I was talking to my 21-year-old a few months ago 
talking about menopause. And I said, just out of curiosity, what did you learn in sex ed? She said, well, we learned what happens when you're pregnant, how the baby grows and everything. We learned that we have periods and this is what puberty happens. She said, but as far as sex ed goes, the conversation literally went, you and your husband will work out sex when you're married. Mm. Don't bother having sex before then in case you get pregnant. Really? Now, she's 21. So we're not talking a long time. We're not talking when we were at school. We're talking very recently. I was really horrified about that. I said, so what did you learn about what actually happens to your body during pregnancy or when you have any pierces? Oh, no, nothing really. We all know you might put on weight or whatever. Didn't learn anything practical at all, which I was quite horrified about. But then the the other place I was going with it is because, maybe because, I'm saying because, that's my story. Because we know so little about menopause, there's a real story and a mysticism that is completely negative about hitting menopause and going through menopause and post-menopause. It is all negative. If you speak to anybody that is of any age, they go, oh, no, don't want, menopause is terrible. There's nothing good can come out of menopause. What were your, that's my experience. What are your experiences with that? Well, it's, it's a very liberating on one hand. Just when you think the coast is clear, you can't get pregnant. Then you find out that hmm, maybe it's not so easy to have sex anymore. And that is something that nobody prepared me for or I've even heard about. And you hear about erectile dysfunction and Viagra on TV as it's a household world. But nobody talks about vaginal atrophy. No. And what, unless you're talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, me too. So yeah, on the one hand, there's a good part to going through menopause where you, there's no risk of getting pregnant. Your eggs, you have no more eggs. But then you have this other issue. So then you start, okay, okay. Then that's when you go to your doctor and you, you know, talk about different solutions you have to that. And the last chapter of my book, is actually, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? So a lot of women contributed to that very same question. Okay, so what's so what's the good part? And it's all about leaving a legacy, I think, and leaving your mark and thinking about, all right, your own mortality. I, I, I figure I got 20 good years left. What do I want to do? What do I want to you know, leave for my kids spiritually or uh, physically, that sort of thing. You kind of become more, I think, insightful and start really looking at the value of your of your life and what what you have left to give. Because you know, you're not a young spring chicken anymore, as my mother would say. So, what's really important? And you think about that. I think a lot more when you're just simply at that age where you are postmenopausal, unless of course you go into menopause prematurely and that's maybe a little bit different, but 
I think it goes hand in hand with just the aging process, not necessarily what's good about menopause. What's good about being in your golden years, (laughs) being 60 plus or whatever. I think that's a really good point to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to add? How can people get in touch with you? Go to my Facebook page, Linda Right Now. That's sort of where I share things occasionally. My book is on Amazon, period, the end. And the contact information is on there. You can follow me or whatever. I hope you'll enjoy my book and my little followings or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I hope to talk to you again, even offline. I would love to do that, actually, because there's still so much that we can talk about because you've got all this background of information and you've done all your research. So I feel like I'm talking to all these different experts rolled up. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> well, I'm glad to share what I know. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed that. Bye. Head on over to the website for more information about this episode and more information about my guests. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll love you forever. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.